Welcome to Mom is Home with the Viva. Welcome to this week's edition of Rome is Home with Joe and Viva. Shemviev, how are you doing this week? Well, let's start with today. Whoa. Today was a pretty emotional day for me. Like I've mentioned before, I'm very <clears throat> sensitive to hormones. And I'm nearing the end of this cycle. And I think we can all feel it. No. Really? <laughs> I never noticed anything. It's a safe husband answer, but no, I mean, some it comes and goes. I mean, but yeah, I feel like you need your space, need some time to breathe. Annoyingly, though, and you make a you make this observation. Maybe some other husbands can relate. I tend to become a little, or maybe my trolling just stands out more. No, I don't know what it I is. I think you troll more. I th- now, uh, I think it's a mix of both. I think it stands out more for sure. But then, melancholics and trolls they feast off people getting annoyed that they're trolling. Right, that that's a fair statement. Yeah, and that's fair. And I would, I would argue though, just in my little defense that I have, it's maybe it's just years and years of bad habits as a kid doing it, but now it's not so much intentional. Like I don't consciously think that since you're bothered by this, I'm generally more concerned about your well-being and trying not to do it. Well, but that, I, did, that didn't. But I'm, that I'm, was not a, a apparent at all today. I'm trying not to be mean or anything, but yeah. It, but it was okay. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it might have been. It might have been very benign. It was just a mix of yeah, just a little bit more sensitivity. Perhaps my 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 little trolling stood out a little bit, and yeah, there we go. But anyways, it is what it is. I have to work on that, and and I have to work to not be so serious. So, anyways, fun day. Fun day. Yesterday was fun. <laughs> Yesterday was super fun. Oh my goodness. We have friends. Actually, uh, the the girl was my friend in um, in Cégep. So Cégep is between high school and university in Quebec. We met in Cégep and um, we've been friends since since that time. So that was what, like 10 years ago? You were what, 18 probably? About 10 yeah, years. So 10 yeah, 10 years, 10 years yeah. ago. And, uh, and she's been traveling the world. So... This time they were her and her partner were in uh, Japan for a year. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Doing uh, teaching English to Japanese students, right? Some pretty legit government exchange program. Sounded. Ex- I mean, we we like bump. It was even just a situation yesterday. We just was so lucky how we even found them. Because- well, hold on. So yeah, we the, the the whole story is that they came back from uh, their big trip yesterday. Yes. And it just happened that they had a layover in, in Toronto. And we didn't think that we'd be able to see each other because of the timing of it all. But because of their layover, we actually managed to go to the airport and, and meet with them, which was awesome because we hadn't seen them in over a year. And we won't, wouldn't arguably see them for who knows because we have no idea when we'd pop back in, right? So right. I think the, the timing opportunity worked out perfectly. But of course, like there was an unfortunate glitch on their end where we weren't we asked them to to text us when when they arrived. They didn't see the message, so we were thinking, well, once they connect back in the airport, they'll reach out. We didn't hear anything, so we got a little concerned. So we went to the airport. We kind of we went to the terminal to uh, try and find them, and uh, we kind of luckily stumbled upon them in like the right right at the door exactly of near the our door. parking lot. Like of all the chances, like, this is a pretty big airport, so 
we were going to go to like the place where everyone, you know, like the millions of people are standing there waving at you enter. We thought maybe we'd see them, but no, luckily they were right there. And unfortunately, their Wi-Fi at the airport wasn't working. So they weren't even able to see messages. So I don't know how, how we would have really found each other except by luck at that point. Oh, really. it, it was 100% luck slash providence but yeah just exactly the door it's like well this is very convenient you know and we had the two girls too so that's it always was later it was their bedtime already so when they were we in pajamas there. so yeah. we knew it was going to be a fun time with them but there we go that was one little less thing to worry about and we we were there for what two hours yeah an hour and a half to two hours in the yeah. airport just chatting catching up or trying to catch up as much as we could amongst the the craziness and girls just not being happy and we bribed them with donuts and stuff but that sort of worked and Monica, it's she's interesting with the crib. I'm mean, not the crib, the uh, stroller. She just really, I've noticed the last few times we've gone anywhere, she just hates sitting in it. Like she has to just, she just doesn't want to sit in it. She just wants to walk around, do her own right. thing. Right. She'll she'll sit in it if there's interesting stuff happening. If we're yeah. walking around, or if there's a lot of people passing by, but just sitting in the stroller, yeah. We've no. been trying to do some shopping for Rome and. Just close, and it's always it's unfortunately stressful. So I'd like we have to go in. She's not entertained enough. We have to just leave very quickly. And uh, she's uh, she's at an interesting point. But anyways, yeah, it was it was really nice to catch up. I mean, yeah. I mean, just learning even about I just like life in Japan. Like, what's life there like? You know, like it's. I think from what I gathered, like a, a year was a sort of a nice amount of time to absorb a little bit. Obviously, what can you really learn in a year? But you learn, you can see a good right. glimpse of the culture, the people. And I, I was very fascinated by it. Right. One thing they mentioned is the rice. Like, plain rice is so delicious in Japan. And then they tried rice at other restaurants and it, it wasn't as good. You know, that makes me think really about this whole theory. You know, like we have Tex-Mex great Tex-Mex here and I'm being kind of sarcastic in Ontario uh, we, we used to we used to love it actually back in when we were dating 2012 we go there a few times I remember in Kingston and we loved it we, we loved going it right? crazy it was, for it. it was very simple we, whatever we didn't know any better this is Tex-Mex this is legit then we get to Houston and we get a lesson in Tex-Mex now and people even in probably who know legit legit Tex-Mex would say hey Papacitos and Lupe Tortilla, they're, they're, those, are, those are too commercial. There's too many of that's you know, that's too mainstream. Yeah. But we don't care. It was, it was, it was so, so good. good. And then we came back. Why don't you tell them when we came back? How was right. it? How, well, we, we, we wanted for nostalgia's sake to try that place again. So we went and I mean, it's, how can I explain? It was fine, but it tasted like, like a box of old El Paso stuff. Like the same seasoning. And we're we're not trying to be uh like uh with snobby here. Like I guess we, we are slightly snobby, but it's 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 very objective. We're, but we're, te- we're we're pretty. Uh, I mean, as long as the meat's good, you got something was just wrong at every level. Like I was just oh the queso. Well, the queso just started off things horribly. Yeah. Yeah, it just tasted like melted. Uh, like the sliced processed sliced processed with cheese. some tomato soup in it or something. It there was like a weird like canned tomato soup. It was just so weird, y'all. It, I. I don't know. It and was just and, weird. <laughs> and that, which baby was with Teresa, right? It was Teresa. Didn't yes. she like make a big diaper mess too or something? Don't you remember every time we went out every with her, time. she would, at a restaurant, she would <laughs> explode with poop. So this just big, adds a layer of uh, of excitement. And But it, but going back, yeah, because I was actually very excited by that rice point for some reason. Because it really stuck to me in terms of that you can't, for whatever for whatever reason, it's very difficult, maybe almost impossible, to reproduce something that's like really good yeah. in a location like Tex Mex because that's 
that's very Texas, right? Mm-hmm. In another place, and I'm guessing the same thing is even with the rice, because I'm like now I'm fascinated about this rice, but I'm wondering if we'll like unless you're really there, like that's I, I think that's a real thing. Yes. Unless you're actually there, there's something about either the water, the ingredients, the butter, whatever the whatever the heck they use, it really adds to actually some unique aspect that can't be easily yeah. reproduced. And and I I believe that because even if you were to import the ingredients. Eh. Maybe not talking about rice, but if we talk about Tex-Mex, if you were to import the poblanos, the tomatillos, like all this, the, the, the produce that you would need, but that just doesn't grow here, it's still not as fresh. That's right. It's like buying store-bought tomatoes versus having your own fresh tomatoes. They're just much juicier, sweeter. It, it, it's just not the same. So That's right. That's right. And my the one classic example we love is um, it's any poutine place outside of Quebec. Yes. we've And I've grown to like poutine from quebec there is something uniquely magical about it. it's you know if you want real good poutine you go there and there's yeah within there you'll get you'll get niches of what is the best anyways for the most part it's all really good yes but finding a place outside it's like are you guys mental like i kind of think like the ingredients are there like quebec look at what they're doing do the exact same thing but in calgary or bc or in ontario or toronto so one big thing yeah. is, for example, example in Ontario, in grocery stores, you won't find fresh cheese curds. And the, That's right. I think we've mentioned that before, but the, the key thing about cheese curds, to, to have them at the perfect squeakiness, is you can't refrigerate them. But hey, remember that one time in Port Dover? It's I got, true. I did buy some. They were pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess you have to go to small... Boutique cheese, cheese shops. Yeah, right. But at the grocery store, you just won't find them. That's and right. And and I guess since there's no big producer of cheese curds, then restaurants can have a big amount of it. And and then the That's cheese right. curds are just not fresh; they're just not squeaky. And and then of course there's a little, um, you know, we tried a poutine poutine in um, Vancouver, yeah. uh, la belle patate. You remember? That was in that was in Vancouver. That was in Vancouver. Canmore, Canmore. No, no, no. The, the, we wanted to try in Canmore again, but the one that we tried was in Vancouver. They oh, had they had a location I, in Canmore. I tried the one in Canmore without you. I went with some buddies after oh, a hike. You didn't tell me that. But anyways. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you had poutine without me? But see, the thing, I think that one was the closest one to uh, Quebec yes. poutine. But then the gravy was too salty. So as you were eating it, you were just getting like sick of it because it was too salty. But the cheese curds were right. The fries were right. Yeah. The, the gravy was tasty. Just too salty. So... Uh, this is pretty impressive. We've talked about very unique food things. But anyways, this all ties... Why, why are we talking about this? Well, I'm very... This all now ties into like food in Rome. Like even just the idea of... And I mentioned the tomato thing. I'm going to mention the tomato thing again. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. I'm expecting a really nice smoke. But even just how pasta is made. I'm, right. I'm very interested to just see that and just understand like, oh, this is why people go crazy about pasta. Or, or non-GMO ingredients. Or non-GMO. There is something unique about the area where you have the food. And so, folks, this is a real thing. If you think you've had Tex-Mex or barbecue and you've been in Canada all your life, you've had some iteration of it. But if you want something good, just go anywhere down south. You'll find something and it'll blow your mind. Right? I still right. haven't found really... I mean, we we liked Rudy's down south. Again, popular. An- another chain. Another chain. I don't care. It was good. But... You, I've I've been hard pressed to find anything similar like that in Ontario, where because people again they say authentic Tex-Mex, but they covered in sauce. Well, no, not Tex-Mex, Texas uh, style barbecue. Texas style barbecue, which is for us. Well, so- no, not 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 for us. For for Texas, the rub is a dry rub. Like you don't put sauce on it. You put sauce on the side. 
So yeah, yeah. But yeah. every place, yeah, every place we've just tried that said Texas style, they just put sauce on it. It's so it's no. <laughs> so that's one. Of, I guess. I mean, hey, yeah. We're, speaking of Rome, I mean, what eight days left, right? So this is yeah, eight days till we leave, nine days till we land. Yeah, we're actually landing on the feast of Saint Gregory the Great. Ooh, it's gonna be a great day. <laughs> that no, no, okay, too soon. <laughs> I've been getting a lot better. Not better or worse at those, either or. Like, I'm just kind of working on my puns. I generally am pretty good at those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you have a, a lot of great ones, but that comes with a few bad ones. You have I for yeah, you have to be comfortable to make the mistake because some right. of it will be bad. Someone, they won't get it. Again, I love, I'm very much about like obscure references. Like I remember so many details from movies. Oh, he's so annoying. He watches a movie once and then he remembers everything about it. But what, what they, yeah, so I, and yeah, unfortunately you don't remember. But like my brothers and I, like we remember all these minutia details. And we just kind of can throw out references and just hilarious. But yes, we were talking, I mean, there was one, we were talking about what? We were sitting at a campfire, Boromir coming from the sky. Your brother killing him again. With the, with the arrow, which ties in a movie from Swan Princess as kids that we watched. And the whole, yeah. I mean, folks, this is, this is, this is artistic humor. I don't know what it is. It's, I guess it's like our family humor. Everyone, right. everyone has their unique thing, I guess. Yes. For us, it's kind of like, let's tie in references from movies and everything we do into kind of funny situations that are happening right now. And like, it's kind of like a challenge. The, the person who can do it the best, it's kind of like, well done, sir. Your your family is very huh, cerebral, very smart people. You know, they use their brain a lot. Uh, it's it's easy to feel stupid hanging out with them, but I've, I'm have i over that now and I just laugh at everything they say. It's it's Our humor is pretty dumb too sometimes. Like, we, we talk about silly things. Like, sure, but, but it's... I suppose it's like if it's, we tie it into a song lyric that works very well, it's like, oh, that's very catchy. Right, so, right. So, yeah, I guess we kind of... Yeah, we don't, we don't just... Yeah, it's not like potty jokes like, oh, you know, whatever. If it's tied into a song, like, you've done well. You right. Know? So... One little news is that you uh, are officially oh, yeah. done with work. Yeah, yeah it's I, yeah, I, I, good point. I actually totally forgot about that. Yeah, so as of August twenty third, that was my last date. So this Friday, so I don't know. It's freeing, uh, although it's we still have a lot of work ahead of us. I mean, yes, it was overall good. Uh, again, I think it really taught me not to complain a lot. I think that was probably my big takeaway: never complain about things. I mean. I'm just thinking, like even like the Egypt, like the Israelites in the desert complaining about manna. It's like the most complete food, and yet they wanted the meat. You know, we gotta learn to be content with what you have. And honestly, I like even just. I think I mentioned this. No, I didn't. Oh, the laptop story. No, we didn't. Okay, so just quickly wrap up this chapter. Like, uh, well, explain. You explain the first half. I'll so explain the, the second half. half. Let's go. I was working on my computer. I was getting flustered at a bunch of things. I was having coffee, and I just spilled my coffee all over my laptop, and. To be fair, this laptop was broken. It was, uh, you know, it was just hanging on by a thread, literally a thread. So um, Joe wanted to get rid of it. I didn't. I'm like, no, I like this computer. Anyway, poured my coffee all over the keyboard, just stopped working. It's been stupid ever since. I felt horrible. So yeah, I told you, you about you it. You told me. I wasn't really... I'm like, whatever. I mean, that was bound to happen. I was always already kind of ready to kind of get another laptop because you needed money, for, uh, you know, a good machine for your work that would hopefully eventually come. But just to be, you know, have something ready. Anywho, on that particular day, that was the last day. I've been working at this nice little Romanian lady's house for like the last seven months, on and off. 
but uh, she sort of like gave me a gift, like you know, because I explained to her my whole story. I'm like, I'm going to Rome, taking my family. Da da da. Sorry, blah blah blah. <laughs> Don't <laughs> change. Whoa. Don't sorry, I blacked out there. Sorry. Um, but she she gave me an envelope. She's like, just thank you for all your work, everything. Appreciate you know, thank you. I didn't open the envelope till I got home. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it was a solid. It was a cool five hundred bucks. I'm like. Well, thank you. Five hundred bucks, y'all. Can you imagine? That's so much money. Oh, so again, and I made it the up day that I broke the computer. The day you broke the computer, you know. So God is great. God is great and merciful in my poor soul. You know, just gotta trust and He'll provide in funny ways. Now listen to the melody. Maybe it come from Italy, and I can sing like Buddy Nelly. I think it's plain to see. My uh, one of my older brothers sent me an article uh, highlighting sort of ten problems within the traditional movement. For folks that maybe follow us or listen to us, or maybe you're just joining in right now, uh, I spent about what, a year and a half, almost two years, at a church working on renewal-based stuff quite a bit. I mean, that wasn't my primary focus, but I was heavily involved in the discussions about renewal. What does renewal look like? And so I'm very well versed in sort of the lingo. Of uh, of renewal movements, I've, I took a real interest in that because I'm I, you know, I'm thinking, well, what does renewal mean? What what are you renewing? All these types of things. The church I worked for, I would say, was very much the charismatic flavor. So it's people who know me, they're like, what are you doing there? Anyways, that wasn't my choice. The Lord put me there, and I had I I took the opportunity to learn, observe, and it's it very yeah. It was very, it was, learning experience for you and it was good overall i think it was good it was good it was with, not without challenges but just like yes. even well what, what was today's uh letter from saint paul you know the lord disciplines those whom he loves so i'll take that as like okay take a take a beating a little bit i was humbled in many ways and i was yes strengthened in many other ways too but anyway and you also learned how to how to interact with people who are slightly different than you and how to you well, know you know be more christ-like in the way that you you know, interact with different people, trying to adapt to how they... How they view the faith, the church, what's important to them, you right. know, what's not as important. Smiling. Yeah, all these, all these, you know. This, and this this ties in very well to the, the traditional movement little list here because I'm always, I'm, I observe these things, I like to read about these things, I like to see, okay, these people are claiming to have some, you found a unique path. I'm interested in whoever's saying that because I'm curious, okay, what is this person actually saying? I want to listen, I want to hear what you're focused on. And I want to see what elements of truth are there, what's good, what's bad. Um, and there are there are some kind of challenges. And again, when I mean the traditional movement, I mean anyone who really, these the person I'm going to list, uh, read from. His name is Father Chad Ripperger. So he's pretty well known. He has a YouTube site, Census Fidelum. He does all sorts of, his homilies are pretty, you know, for people who want something a little bit more impactful, a little bit maybe more tied into saints, you know, more is more traditional. He's a very well-balanced person. So I, I, I've, I've sometimes watched his stuff. I don't watch as much anymore, but I don't know. It was a nice little list here that I, my brother sent me as sort of, you know, 10, that 10 things that he's noticed is sort of an issue within the traditional movement. And we're just going to go through it a little bit, uh, you know, highlight sort of the key points and then just make some observations that we've seen, you know, as this, what, you know, what about the charismatic stuff and how does this all tie into one of our favorite things, temperaments, you know, because there is, there is something here. It's not just, you know, why is this, why are these problems the way they are and et cetera, et cetera. So 
Let me just kind of go through, I don't know, I don't want to go too, too much in detail. I'll kind of go through a, a few of the key points, and then I'll, we'll kind of breeze through and make some summary points. So the 10 things he mentioned. So number one, uh, the group becoming agnostic. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Very, if it has an A, it's kind of, no, so becoming Gnostic, that's G-N, and elitist. Number two, impurity. That's actually interesting. He's noticed that a lot of the um, sins against the Sixth Commandment, uh, which I think is adultery. He says uh, they've noticed that quite a bit, that this is a, sort of a big issue. People who know about sin in general, this is probably a big issue, but he, the, the, the priests he kind of talks to within the Fraternity of St. Peter, they noticed a little bit more of this in particular. Um, tied into that is sort of generational spirits, this idea that you know, because some of these these uh, folks that attend there haven't resolved sort of the key issues of these habits, it kind of gets passed down, the sins get passed down, it's not treated, it's not ignored, so that all these kids kind of within the movements also pick these things up, and they're seeing kids as young as 10, 11, 12 confessing these these similar types of sins, which is interesting, right? So, you know, that's they're not immune to that. Number four, isolationist attitude. Uh, number five, depression and despair. Hmm. Six, anger. Seven, disrespect of authority and the magisterium. That's hilarious because as you're saying... I know, I know, I know you want to make that conclusion because for us it's like, obviously... It's so obvious. So number eight, loose, reckless argumentation. (laughs) This is pretty interesting, right? It's it's the idea of making arguments uh, not very factual, well thought up. It's, you know, we're all guilty of that in some case, but this this is an interesting one as well. Number nine, bullying people. Whoa. And number 10, driving others away. So Joe told me about this on our way to church this morning, and he's like, what, what, what do you think about that? I'm like, well, you're clearly describing clerics. Yeah. It's it's so obvious because all of this, all of these points are all flaws that clerics usually struggle with. Right. It's, it's again, if you want to, I seriously recommend reading up about this, and we, we always bring this up, but there is... And we know there's no one that fits into a perfect bucket or anything like that. But there is, there a is bucket. Some, I know that's a perfect bucket. Fit into a bucket. I've never heard that. Did you just make it? I up? know. I thought there was fit, fit into, into a, a box. I'll, I'll, you know, I'm gonna. The bucket one is mine, so I will say bucket. Okay. Oh, maybe it exists. I've just maybe. never heard it. Box bucket. Some 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 container. Fit into a container of that def- some that sort. defines like you are exactly this person. Of course not. We know that that's something even Genevieve you get flustered about. I like, get flustered. Who am I exactly? Like, right. I just don't fit perfectly within a temperament, and that just that that bothers me generally. But but just reading about how clerics are, especially and melancholics as well, because this right. is this is we would the despair say, especially is very melancholic. This is the and this is this is the the type of individual for the most part that you would see primarily drawn into the traditional. Why is that? Again, for people who are familiar with these types of temperaments, you know, the the melancholic choleric mixtures, predominantly people who are those, those people are excellent people. These are very holy, beautiful people. They can be, of course, just like everyone, whatever gift they have. Some of their tendencies, though, is they tend to be very, uh, like, object, truth, principle-focused, very important things, very weak or struggle with the people aspects of things. I say these things like that because I'm a little bit like that. Uh, I very much value... You know, I want, I, I, I don't like even just working at my old job and Viva can attest to that. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, I understand you have, you want this community here, but make sure when you bring them in that you're speaking truthfully to them. Don't lie to them. Right. You know, it doesn't like, you can be all friends and stuff, but if you hate it, like, you know, you're, you're not teaching them who Christ is. You don't want to be better. It's not good. And, but again, I speak of this as that is a good thing. These are good qualities to have these, but 
The dark side is, yeah, you can be very much, um, you, you, you lose that perspective of the other side, which is, you know, the phlegmatic sanguine, very people focused, loving, community, joyful, you know, it's, a very necessary part of the body as well. And again, that is not to say that no phlegmatic, no sanguine ever would love the traditional mass and would be more traditional. No, that's right. Of course not. Again, we're not trying to put people you... into boxes or buckets, but <laughs> but this is just the trend. And even just as the charismatic side, it's generally people who are very people-focused and they're re- they really want to make a welcoming com- community and have it enjoyable for people and, and whatnot. But these come with flaws as well and with... Yeah, right. it, that and that's that's all we're trying to hide. It's an, I didn't necessarily see that sort of summarized. I even I even just saw a commentator, well known commentator too, just mentioning the observing the point that a lot of the traditional folks t- typically seem to be more men. Of course, as we mentioned, women can be their different temperaments, but typically, let's say let's use the word statistically, uh, are men. Why is that? Well, you know, statistically as well, men tend to be more of the choleric, melancholic temperament, primarily choleric. As and women always have, usually have a little bit of sanguine. Sanguine and, you know, maybe more phlegm, right? This is, it's a, it's whatever it is. And this is just an observation that we see within the society itself. Well, of course, I mean, the, if the traditional moment movement for the most part is, it's really people believe it to be this, the only, you know, it's the remaining, you know, this is where the truth resides. This is where we talk about sin, the devil. This will invariably draw a certain type of person that. And that isn't itself bad. No. I mean, just if you love the the Latin rite or, you know, that form of worship and you like these wholesome homilies that are very specific and saint-focused. The and respect, right. That is very fine. But we can't be shocked. And again, this observation to me, it's like, well, what do you expect to happen in these types of sins in particular, like despair and, oh man, poor melancholics. And we, we, people who have that kind of tendency as well, you know how easy it is to get into despair and anxiety and all these things right it's very easy in that in that situation because they overthink things minutia you know this person said this about me which like what's not even a big deal and they'll just dig a hole into like the earth and just like it's very hard to get out of it and i speak from my own experience too and i you know i've I've had to overcome that quite a bit and even yourself a little bit too at times very mildly for you but sometimes yeah I want to I want to talk a little bit more about the uh, impurity and the the sexual aspect of it all because I think that's interesting and that's something that I didn't know before until we started because okay I don't want to be TMI here but we we had some slight disagreement on that aspect in our marriage and then it's up until we actually looked up um temperament wise how that related to us that we actually understood how to deal with each other so um for example i'm i'm a phlegmatic and it's said that phlegmatics tend to have to feel feel very safe very you know loved and in in a tender way i guess to make to make it make it work sure and as for cholerics you can maybe speak on on your side it's i can't really remember too much but i think it's it's i don't know it's i think it goes back to i think like whatever the I think just cholerics, they're just more stimulated folks. I don't think there's this need to just, I don't know how to describe it really. It, it maybe, was just like, it is It is just a, a part of who you are. You are, it, it's just something very important for you. Right. And and the fact that 
we weren't communicating well on that aspect, then it was just creating friction because I. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't know. We didn't understand each other at that level. But right. Looking, look- so if if you look at that list that you just mentioned, and that clearly people would struggle with this impurity, is because maybe there is this disconnect on maybe they don't understand the church teaching properly on that and they're rep- repressing and would, that's I, just causing some issues because it's a big part of who they are. I would know. I, I think the big thing is that we've just concentrated a lot of men who are clerics or women as well, who have this, this sort of thing that for the most part, that is a challenge to overcome. And now we've concentrated them into one location and like, here we go. Whereas like there are clerics in sort of the other, other spectrum in the other church, like, you know, within the rest of the church, it's there, they're mixed in, but we've just like now concentrated them into this specific area. My theory is that, is that maybe it's, um, it's a taboo. And I have a feeling, and maybe I'm wrong. You can you maybe can correct right. me. Maybe right. But I have a feeling that in the traditional community, talking openly about sexuality might be more taboo. And since that's not openly communicated, Perhaps, then yeah. it's just repressed. And then since it's a big part of who they are and their temperament, then it's it has to come out in some way, and it comes out in a sinful way. That's my theory. I may be wrong. Who knows? Right. So I mean, I mean, just I mean, we can keep on going to ad nauseum at this point. But it, I I just again. Be mindful of this in your own sense. We're not we're not claiming again. We we actually weren't even able to touch sort of the charismatic side of this because we're not saying hey this this is the only group of people that are that are wicked here. The other side in their own in their own respect sort of I'm I'm, I'm talking about extremes here you know of individuals very again people focus community focus to the to the extreme of like well we don't care what truth is anymore we just want to make sure people feel included in the community the community will save people don't worry Jesus is there somewhere but he loves you no matter what sin you do okay well. That's very wishy-washy. What are we going to do about it? You know, we we can't get into that. But just let's not be shocked by this. We are the left arm will always be drawn. Maybe to introduce another left arm, they'll get together and they'll band up. Just do not. We we are a body. Remember, and we need each other. We need each other. These types of things, observations. This is a consequence of people again isolation, as this list is mentioning. Hey, we're all left arms. Let's stick together. And everyone else who's not that, they're the enemy. Very, Just be mindful of that within your own life. Be mindful of that within maybe people you see, that they don't get caught up in this mindset. And the cure in all this, as all things, of course, is grace and humility. You know, realize the good in the other. Realize the other members of the body of Christ. Realize we need each other. We are not completely self-sufficient, right? So let's wrap this up. Follow us on Facebook, on Patreon, patreon.com slash Rome is home, and have a good week. Take care, everyone. God bless. Yeah.